So, good morning. Oh, come on, I need more than that. Good morning. See, I'm an audience participation kind of person, and so I'm going to ask you to repeat some things after me and to say some stuff, so, uh, so I'm going to need to hear it again, the kind of response that I'm looking for. So, good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, that's what I'm looking for. So, uh, as Pastor Bernie said, I'm from Big Rapids, where our rapids are bigger than your grand ones. I, uh, I have been, uh, been married to an amazing woman for, for 12 years coming up this summer. Uh, she's sitting right behind Pastor Bernie there. Allison waved to everybody. Huh? She's amazing. And, uh, and uh, I actually have a picture of my family here they're going to show. Uh, we, oh, I think, we can show the picture of the family. Okay, never mind. Oh, there they are. We have fi- uh, five mostly good children most of the time. And I did think the picture was a little odd. My feet are as big as the children are. It's just the angle. It's just the angle. But, uh, you know, Ken Reynolds has huge feet. And, I, and he always wears cool shoes. So I wore these in honor of Ken today. I don't know if they, zoom, they don't zoom in on your feet here. Okay. Uh, they don't zoom in on my feet ever at my church. So it's just the way it is. So, uh, yep, we have five uh, five kids, and today, after service, we are loading into the car from here, and we are driving to Florida for spring break. So, so I may cut the message short, because we're, we're ready, ready to go, packed up. But um, i got to be honest with you, I was, I was shocked, and I was honored to be asked to speak today. Um, it, it, it's a huge privilege uh, to be here, but it's a privilege to be a, a pastor at all. And I didn't used to feel that way about it. In fact, I grew up in a pastor's family. I've been a Christian since I was a fetus. Um, I just, it's always been what I do. And I have sworn my whole life that I would never be a pastor. Like, it's not happening. Um, We'd have evangelists at the church, and they would come, and they would go to my dad, and they'd pull me up, and they'd, this boy has an anointing on him. I'm like, no, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. I, I want to do what I want to do. Anybody want to do what they want to do in this place? You can be honest with me. I want I to go to Florida. That's what I want to do. Um, but uh, but I, I, so I just ran from it, said I wasn't going to do it. And I had my reasons. I had my reasons. Um, I, I lived in a pastor's family. I saw what pastors go through. Um, they, they care for, for the people of the church, and, and God's given them a heart for that. And so I remember, like, we would be on a family vacation, and there were times where we had to cut it short because a, a church member had passed, and Dad had to be back. Or we'd be planning to go fishing, and, uh, and Dad, would, Dad would say, hey, son, I'm sorry. I've got some business i got to take care of. And so I just saw how much responsibility there was, there was in ministry. I said, I'm, I'm never going to do that. Do you know that you should never tell God that you are never going to do something? Before I go any further, I just want to say that, um, that my family has known Pastor Dwayne and, and Jeannie since I was like three. I've always been a better fisherman than him um, <laughs> since three years old. Now, somebody's like, ooh, and over here. I don't know. Have you ever fished with Dwayne? I mean, it's not hard to be better. No. Is he watching it? <laughs> No, we, I love Pastor Dwayne. They're incredible pastors. They love you. They love what God is doing, and they care about your life and about what God is doing in your life, and they deserve a round of applause this morning. Give it up for Pastor Dwayne. So, so I want to be clear about me, though. I loved God. 
I loved God. And I know that if God calls you to do something or tells you to do something, that you should probably do it. Um, it doesn't mean that we always do that, but, but that you probably should. So I've been trying to follow God most of my life, and look where he led me to be a pastor, the thing I said I'd never be. So anyway, enough about me. Before I get into my message today, um, something we do at our church every time, and you guys do it too, is we ask God to be part of the service, because the honest truth is this guy who didn't want to be a pastor doesn't really have much to say. But God has a lot to say today. And so let's just ask him to be leading the whole service. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for each and every person here. I thank you, uh, Lord, that they were created perfect by you. Lord, and that you have a plan and purpose for their life. Lord, they were meant to be here today. Father, I just pray that as I get into what you've laid on my heart for today, that it's not my words, Lord, but it's your words coming out of me. It's the words that you need your people to hear. Father, give us ears that hear. Give us hearts that understand. Give us minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. And bless this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen, amen. Amen. So I'm going to use some scriptures today that are maybe the most overused, well-known, crusty, dusty scriptures that you have ever heard. Okay, I'm going to use scriptures that, that you have, you've heard if, you, uh, you know, if you've walked through Hobby Lobby, they're hanging on the wall, okay? You have these scriptures on your walls at home because of Hobby Lobby. I just want you to know that. But I feel that often we read these scriptures and because we're so familiar with them, we don't, we don't give them the weight that they should have. And, and I want to pull some things out of them today and use them in a way that maybe will help you to, to see them in a new light and see them fresh and new. And so, uh, so anyway, the first one I want to share is, is Jeremiah 29, 11. You heard that one before? Okay. Nope. Okay. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. It says, for I know. Everybody say, I know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Have you ever read that and thought, well, good for you, God. I'm so glad that you know. Really wish you would tell me, though. You ever have that? Have that? You're like, I've read the scripture. I know that God knows. We all know that God knows. Everybody but I don't know. Yeah, we've been there. You've been, I've been there. You've been there. Um, you know, we hit life's inevitable like twists and turns and we can't figure out why things in our lives are the way they are. And we start to ask why and we start to read the scripture and we go, this doesn't make sense to me. There's another scripture that's a lot like it, Romans 8, 28. And we know, everybody say we know. Odd that the first one said, I know, and now it says, we know, we don't know who these we people are, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according, according to his purpose. Who are these people that know? Because we, the we that is me, I don't know, or I feel like I don't know. How do they know it? The only way to know things in the way that we think in our society, the way that we are, are trained to think, the only, the only way we can know something is if we've been through something. But that's not always the way that the word works and the way God works. So do you believe that God has a plan for your future? I'm going to need that participation I'm talking about. Okay, so do you believe that God has a plan for your future? You all said yes, but many of you meant maybe, maybe. 
I mean, we all, or most of us in this place, I believe today, we believe in God, we believe in his, his word, but sometimes our circumstances make it hard to be sure that God has a plan. So I want to tell you a story It's going to take me a little bit to tell. So I want you to follow along with me, and after I tell you the story, I'll kind of explain where we're going here. So I know this couple, this husband and wife, and they, uh, they have a few kids, and uh, this is their story, okay? So they, um, they're, he, he's a pastor, and they went to visit a family in their church that lived about 20 minutes out into, like, the wilderness. Now, you guys here in Grand Rapids, you don't know what wilderness is unless you've driven north, okay? Or, or, so no offense, but the rapids are bigger where we're at, as is the wilderness, um, so they know this family, and, and so they went to visit some church members that were about 20 minutes into the wild, into the wilderness. And they're there, and they have their son, who is like nine months old, and, and they don't have a pack and play or anything to, to put him down in, but, uh, but they decide it's bedtime. So they go into the room, and they put pillows around on the bed, and they lay the, the nine-month-old there on the bed. And then they go back out into the living room, and they're spending time with this family, and uh, about half an hour later, the mom goes, oh, I need, I need to go check on, on my son. And so she goes into the room, and when she goes in the room, he's not there. And so she begins to search around, and she looks, and she comes around the side of the bed, and there wedged between the wall and the bed is her son. She pulls him out, and he's blue, and he's gone. And, of course, pandemonium happens. They, they grab the boy and they lay him on the bed. They call 911 and the ambulance is coming, but they're 20 minutes out of town. And uh, so the ambulance comes and while they're waiting, the mom starts doing CPR, but she admits that she doesn't know what she's doing and she's trying. And the EMS guys, they come into the house and they come up and they go, what are you doing? And she said, I'm doing CPR. And they're like, do you know how to do it for, for a child? He doesn't look right. His belly's all blown up. And they're like, you, you probably blew too much air into his lungs and his lungs have now exploded. How would you feel as a mom at this point? And so they call him in dead on arrival. Dad rides in the ambulance. And they don't even help him. They just hold him. There's nothing we can do, sir. So the dad calls all the church members and is like, come on, you got to get to the hospital. We're, we're believing he's going to live. We're praying for him and, and, and he's going to be all right. And so they get, they get to the hospital and now it's been 30 minutes, well, no, 40 minutes now. And they get him in there and the doctor just goes, there's, there's nothing we can do. And they're like, we're not going to believe that. We believe that he's going to live. And the doctor's like, well, in my medical opinion, there's no way. He has about four to five heartbeats a minute, and he's not breathing. It's, those are just reflexes in his body. He's gone. Now, I don't know if you know anybody like this, but you know the, the, the big church lady who, sing, lady who sings really operatically all the time, real loud? She's there. She runs across the room, and she grabs the doctor. You will not say that he is dead. And the doctor's like, oh. and we will not listen to this. We serve the God of the impossible. Amen? 
home. Doctor says, I don't know what to do. The, the family would not give up. And so the doctor says, there's a children's hospital 45 minutes away. Now, you can have him taken there, but they're going to tell you the same thing. But, but you can do that. And so the dad, I, I was with him just the other day, and he was telling me, he said, I, I remember reaching and putting my hands on my son's head and saying, Lord, I pray over every brain cell. I pray over every bit of his body that he will be whole and he will be healed and he will be fine. And, and, uh, and he, he, so they get in the car and they take off. And they're waiting at the other hospital. And the ambulance pulls up. And when they open the doors, they hear a baby crying. Yeah. Yeah. And they bring the baby in, and the, the guys in the ambulance are like, we don't know. He just started crying. They check his vitals. Everything seems to be checking out. Everything seems to be fine. Normal function. Everything's right. And they're like, the doctor pulls the mom and dad aside and they say, I'm, I'm going to say this here in this room. I will never say this again in public. But it is a miracle that your child is alive. And, but I just want you to know, if he, if he makes it to a year, he'll be severely disabled. And he will not make it to his second birthday because he will be in a, basically a vegetative state. I mean, he'll be alive, but he won't be alive. And... Uh, the parents are like, okay, let's go. They kept the child there for three days. He seemed to be recovering, and they sent him home. They took the child home, and he grew up to be totally normal. He had, he had an hour and 45 minutes without oxygen to his brain. Facts are that a human brain can only last six minutes before there's serious deficit. I mean, hour and 45 minutes, there's no chance. There is a bit of this story that I left out. I am the little boy. You see, I could never argue. I could never argue that God isn't real, people. I could never argue that God doesn't heal today. I'm living proof. He can come touch my hands. Oh, I'm just, man. Oh, I, I almost forgot. The best part is I married the doctor's daughter. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Isn't that an amazing testimony? Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. So what do I want to tell you about this whole thing? I want to tell you that God has a plan for your life. My life is proof. I want to tell you today that God is real. My life is proof. I want to tell you today that God does do miracles. My life is proof. And I want to tell you that I don't like telling my story. In fact, when people ask me to, I usually say no. And here's why. Because the response I receive when I tell my story is, sounds just like this. Well, that's great. God obviously has a plan for your life, but what about me? 
See, we don't believe that we, God has a great plan for our life. That's why we live the way we do. That's why we accept less than godly standards in our lives. That's why we're willing to compromise our faith, our beliefs, and our morals. Because we don't really believe God wants to use us. He just wants to use those special people that he raised from the dead. But that's just not true. Let me make something clear to you. I am no different than you are. I am no different than you. I tell my church every week, I think every week, I tell them, I'm a mess and I have tons of problems. I'll tell you this, this week, my wife and I have agreed, this week has been the worst week of our lives. We have been through more tragedy and struggle and strife in this one week than we have in our entire lives. And it just, you know, it just makes sense. You know, we're about to go on vacation and I mean, I get asked to preach at the big house. And uh, <laughs> by the way, you don't know this, but we all call this the mothership. And uh, so we've been called home, you know. <laughs> it's true. Uh, har- hardest week of our life. I'm just like you. And you'll say, no, you're not. God saved your life. And I would say, God saved your life too. You just don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just don't know about it. How many times has God redirected your course where you could have died and you just don't know? You don't know. How many times have you been stuck in traffic on 96 and been like, oh, I'm going to be late. But what you don't know is that God ordained your steps that day to be where you are so that you're not in the accident that's at the end of the line. And you think I'm crazy and I think you're crazy because I'm alive. Hmm. You might think it'd be easier for me to go through or to to believe in God and have faith in him um, because of what I went through. But the truth is, just like you don't know that God's directed your path to keep you alive, I don't know it either because I was so young, I don't remember it. My dad dad was here first service, no pressure. (laughs) And um, he... He always asked me, he always says, hey, you know, do you, do you remember, did you see Jesus? Do you remember what he looked like? Did you see that movie Heaven is for Real? Does he look like the guy? I mean, is it the same? I'm like, Dad, I don't remember. See, I have to have faith in him because I don't remember experiencing him saving my life. Just like you don't remember or you don't know the times that he saved yours. We have to have faith. We have to trust in him. There's a, uh, another dusty old scripture that we just breezed through that I want to share. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It, uh, it reads like this. Trust in the Lord with all your and lean not on your own. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I like, I like this version. You know it in all your ways. Acknowledge. Everybody say Acknowledge. Well, that word is also translated submit. Everybody say submit. You know, there's a big difference between acknowledging someone and submitting to someone. I feel like, you know, acknowledge is like, what's up, God? Whereas submitting to someone is surrendering yourself to their leadership. 
In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So we have this problem in life. We want to understand everything. We want to know all the answers. This is what we've been taught. We need to, you know, seeing is believing, and, and we have to have our human understanding of things. That's our problem. I, I mentioned my wife and I were leaving on vacation right after this with our five mostly normal kids. And... Uh, we will leave from this place, and in the next 14 days, we will drive with our children in a car more than 4,000 miles. It's a leap of faith. It's a leap. It's a step of faith in, to do this. And, uh, and now, I love to drive. Do I have any drivers in here? Anybody, like, you go on a trip, you're like, I'm driving. Your, your, your wife or your significant other just knows when you get in the car, you're driving. They don't even try to get in your seat, right? This is me. I love you, I love you hon. I love you. Um, well, I love to drive. We go on these trips, but I have, I have this problem. I have another obsession in life, and that is deer hunting. You guys don't know anybody who likes to deer hunt around here, do you? Pastor Dwayne. Um, so this, this poses a problem for us because when I'm driving down the road, I'm also looking for deer in the fields. And so as we're going down the highway, I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm driving, and we start swerving all over the road. And my wife's like, oh, my goodness, will you just look at the road? I was like, no, and there was a huge one over there. And, and so, so I like to do this. But this is how our life with God often looks. We want to get to the destination that he has for our lives, but we also want to look at all the distractions along the way. Remember, it says that if we will trust in him, if we will lean on his understanding, if we will submit to him, he will make our path what? Straight. But more often than not, our path looks like this. We're, we're work, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm working my way to God. You know, I'm working my way back to you, God. You know, like we're working our way. And, and so, you know, but, but it's like, it's this gradual, you know, swerving line. See, now, I could let my wife drive, and she has this weird disorder. She doesn't like deer hunting at all, so she doesn't care what's in the field. She cares about getting to Florida, right? And see, if I would just let her drive, I could ride in the passenger seat, and I could look out the window the whole time, and I could get where I want to go. And I could also experience it all along the way and appreciate it. You realize that's what this scripture is all this was talking about? It's, it's, it's Carrie Underwood's song, right? It's a I'm not going to sing it, I promise. I know you're thinking he's going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. Okay, Jesus, take the weed. Um, it's the scripture. If we'll let him drive, if we'll, let him, if we'll allow him to be in the lead position of our life, we can enjoy all of life along the way, knowing that we're going straight to our purpose. God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for you. He has direction for you. He has fulfillment the word says that when you are walking in the purpose that he has for you, that it will bring wholeness. Everybody say wholeness. This world is looking for wholeness. 
They're looking for something that's going to fill the void and make them complete. And the only thing that's going to do it is allowing him to take the lead. Jesus. It's all him. See, I ran from what God's plan for me was. I, I, I decided I would not be a pastor no matter how many people told me I would. Pastor Dwayne, I, uh, my personal desire was to move to Florida, and I called him, and he said, you'll be back. I had to do it. I had to do an impression. I did, it. I did one in first service, and he apparently called Pastor Al and said that was a bad impression. <laughs> so I had to do it. This, this, I had to try to redo it. You know, I ran from it. I, I decided I wouldn't be a pastor. I went to school to be a teacher, and uh, look where I am. I'm a teacher. I mean, not of kindergartners, but well, sometimes. <laughs> I'm a kindergartner all the time. I had times in my life in ministry running away from, from what God was calling me to do where I would come home and say to my wife, I am learning nothing about this, about what I'm supposed to do. All I seem to be learning is what to do or not to do as a lead pastor, and I'm never going to be a lead pastor. You see, I loved God, but I didn't want to be a pastor, and look where God led me. You just can't get away. See, but God used all of my running to create a foundation for me to be able to be here today. And again, I'm blown away, and it's an honor. But don't you think he could do that for you? I met a, a guy that goes to our church. Well, he used to go to our church, and then he moved. Uh, but he, he was addicted to drugs, and, uh, and, and not just like, not light drugs, like he had been through major addiction. And he was telling me what it was like to be on acid and heroin and all these things. He's done all this heavy stuff. And, and, uh, and then he found the Lord and he quit all of that stuff and God completely transformed his life. And now he is actually working in ministry, ministering to people who struggle with drug addiction. Now, see, if God can take his past and work it for the good of his kingdom, why couldn't he take your past and work it for the good of his kingdom? And don't forget, when you're following the path that he has, it brings wholeness to your life. Everybody say wholeness. That is God's desire for you, is to be whole and complete the way that he created you. You cannot fill the void. Only he can. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Submit to him and he'll make your path straight. That last scripture, I'll wrap it up with this. Maybe never thought this way, but if you will apply Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you will effectively complete everything that is in the word. 
Let me, let me explain this again. If you will live your life according to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you will complete everything, every command, everything, every purpose, every direction that God has put in his word. If you will trust in the Lord with all your heart, if you will choose to not live by your understanding, but by what he says you are, who he says you are, his understanding, and if you will submit to his leadership, he will complete your path. So every time you see that on the wall, thank you, Hobby Lobby, you should be thinking about the fact that if I can live that, I can complete it all. And God will fulfill me with wholeness. Why don't you just take a minute, bow your heads. We're not praying yet, but I'd like everybody just to close your eyes. I'd like to just take a moment and ask you to ask yourself this question. It's simple. What is God saying to me today? Not what is Ross saying. What is God saying? About my life? About my past? And about my future? Just take a minute. What is God saying to you? Father, you know each and every person who's here. Lord, you know their heart, you know their situation, you know, Lord, you know their struggles, you know their pains. But Father, you know also what you've given them as far as abilities, strengths. You know where they stumble the most. Lord, and you know where they triumph in life. Father, you also know the purpose that they were created for. And Lord, I believe that there are people in this place today who are wondering about their future, wondering about their purpose. They feel like they're spinning their wheels. And Father, I pray today that you can begin to reveal yourself and your plan for their life to them, to their heart, right in this moment. God, what are you saying to them today? I believe there's people in this place, God, who are struggling with self-worth. And still, they hear the story and they say, yeah, but that's not me. Father, speak to them right now and say, yes, it is you. I desire you. I love you. You are worthy. You matter to him. God, we are so grateful that you are a good father. Lord, in the song that we sang today, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe, everybody say it with me, I'll see you do it again. God, we know you can do it again in each one of our lives. Lord, if you can do it in my life, if you can do it in the life of, of 
the drug addict, if you can do it in the life of, of other people who have been struggling and are now free of that, Lord, you can do it again and again and again. Father, we believe you are the God of the impossible, that nothing is impossible for you, that you have the way where there seems to be no way, that you are the God that overcomes, Lord, that you are the one who provides us with testimony that we can say, you're going to do it again. Father, and we praise you and we thank you that you are a loving God who desires each one of us. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here and you've never made Jesus Lord, or maybe you you said a prayer at some point in your life, but you've never lived it, you've never let it become who you are, you've never fully dove in with God, I want to give you that opportunity. And what really is happening here, if you say, yes, I want you, God, is you are going to apply or begin applying Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Today, we're going to make a choice to trust in the Lord with all our heart. We're going to make a choice to lean not on our understanding, not base it on what we think, but what we know God knows. And that we're going to make a choice to submit ourselves to his leadership, to his word, to his guidance so that he can produce life in our lives. If that's you, and you wanna, you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life and begin that process right now, lift your hand up right where you're at. Is there anybody who wants to make Jesus Lord? Lift it up high. Awesome, awesome. With everybody's eyes closed still, you can put your hands down. But if you raised your hand, look right up here at me. Look right at me. I want you to know today that I see you. And God sees you too. And this, this is no small decision. This is huge. Right now, you may, you're making a decision to join the family of God, to live life with a new purpose a God purpose, and that in doing this, God wants to transform your life. So in the word it says, it says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that he rose from the dead, that he really is God, that we will be saved. So you begin this family part right now. But the hard part, that's the hard part. That's the part where when you're struggling, when it's tough, You don't run away from God, you run to God. When you're celebrating because life is so great, you you acknowledge the fact that God is part of leading you into that fulfillment. So we're gonna say this prayer today. If everybody in this place would repeat after me, and this is you confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and making a commitment to him. Say this with me, say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross defeat the grave and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner and I have struggled with sin but today I'm different. I'm a new creation, a child of God, redeemed, remastered and remade. I choose to make you Lord of my life to trust in you, to live by your understanding 
and to submit to you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Awesome. Thank you.